I've heard people say that too much of anything is not good for you, baby. But I don't know about that. Oh, oh, baby. Welcome to Day to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. Glad you're enjoying that little music right there, getting your groove on, everything. Uh, it's great to have you with us today. West Campus Online, Germantown Campus, we're excited to have you here. And if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me to Judges chapter 16. We've been in this passage of scripture for uh, these past, uh, this is the fourth weekend. And uh, we're going to come back to this as we're talking about this account in scripture of Samson and Delilah. And uh, if this is your first weekend to be with us, again, you can uh, pick this up online at lifechurchwi.com. And you can also uh, pick this up at uh, guest services if you want a free uh, DVD of this or on the Life Church app. It's available. <clears throat> but as we're talking about this series, we're, we're looking at, at Samson, who was a man that God gave the supernatural strength to, to be a deliverer of God's people of Israel uh, against their adversaries, the Philistines. And Delilah, or as we've been saying, Delilah. She was basically contracted by the Philistines for multiple millions of dollars in order to find out what Samson's secret of his strength was and to try to bring him down. And so they've been having this relationship because basically Delilah is Samson's kryptonite. It's his women, it's his weakness. And so they use her to do this and so she's beginning to get him to talk and we see this progress that happens and today we kind of end with the result, the effect of sin, if you would. What happens when you go all the way? What happens when you cross all the lines? What happens when you don't stop, break, or yield to these warning signs? And uh, that's really the naked truth of the situation. And so we pick this up in Judges chapter 16, verse, starting in verse 19, where we left off last week. And then she, Delilah, or Delilah lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man to have his shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to torment him, and his strength left him. Verse 20, And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Again, his strength was connected to his, his hair. It was a covenant between he and God. And then the Philistines took him, put out his eyes, brought him down to Gaza, and they bound him with bronze fetters, and he became the grinder in the prison. So we see this, this story, we see this account unfold, and, and it shows these, there are, there are these Hebrew words that we see here in these passages that really show this process, this journey of, of sin. And the first is enticed, the first stage is enticed, sin always looks good. Then the second stage is pester. The Bible says that she pestered him. Sin will pursue you. It will pester you. It will come after you. Uh, the Bible says don't be ignorant of these things. You know, there's a roaring, the, the Bible says that Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And then when, then when you get beyond that stage of pestering, you become stuck. You become vexed in, in that situation. The Bible says that Samson was vexed. He was stuck. He felt like there was no other way out. And then last week we talked about lulled. To, to, to make sleep. She lulled him to sleep. He finally tells her his secret to his strength 
his covenant with God, he gives that up in essence. He gives up his covenant with God is what he does. And, and in doing so, the Bible says there in, in verse number 19 that he lays his head upon her lap in the lap of sin and he falls asleep. And when he awakens, he awakens with where we are today. And that's stage number five, tormented and bound. Because that's what happens with sin. When you give in to sin, when you awaken, when you come back to conscious, all of a sudden you wake up tormented and bound. Tormented. What, what does that word mean? Well, it means to bring low. The word torment means to bring low. It's like pulling you uh, uh, down. It's like it's, it's, it's a complete downer. And the word bound means to, to be held under. So you get almost this drowning type of an effect between torment and bound. That he, it, was a, it was this feeling of being brought down, and then it was a feeling of being held down. It was a feeling of being brought down, then a feeling of being held down. Have you ever felt like you were drowning? One, uh, in a moment of weakness a few years ago, my wife, we were on a, a cruise. And that, the cruise was the moment of weakness. Because my, my idea of like vacation is just like to get somewhere warm, thank God, and, uh, and then just find a beach chair and just lay out. And then eat for a while. And then lay out some more. Because you do realize that just lounging burns calories, right? So you eat for a while. I, I know some of you go, how does he have that body if he does that? I know, it's a mystery. And so, and so that's just my idea. I, I'm not like, I'm just, that's all I want to do is just relax. Because my world, like many of you, is, is go, 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 go. And I'm a very high, very much a high... Um, overachiever, focused, type A personality. So for me to go on vacation, I just want to just like, just tell me what the restaurant schedule is. That's all I need to know. And where we're staying and that's it. Well, Tammy gets this idea that she wants to go on an excursion, right? So you're on the, you're on the cruise ship. My idea is just, just take me to the buffet. My favorite thing on the cruise ship, on any cruise ship, is, is the free ice cream that they have out on deck. I don't care what, just give me a, a, check, a chair on deck and the free ice cream. I don't, that's all I need. I'm fine. Just leave me alone. So you know, she was going on an excursion once we stopped on these little porticals. I have no idea. Now, we, we've snorkeled at different places before. Like uh, the second uh, largest barrier reef uh, and the, the world is on the coast of Belize. And so we've done that, been out, done all that kind of stuff. And Tammy's just like, they have to send somebody out always to get her to bring her back because she's just in her own little world. You should have saw what I saw. We've been yelling at you for 30 minutes, Tammy. I didn't hear you. I'm so sorry. But it was wonderful. And so anyhow, so, so this, is, this isn't Belize. And I don't even know where we were. I can't even remember. All I remember was saying yes. So we get, we, we get off the boat. We go with these other people that you don't know. And you're looking at this snorkel, and you're thinking, I wonder who else has used this. Anybody, all right? I'm doing this for my wife. And then I'm looking at these other people, because I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. Do you understand what I'm saying? So who is more overweight on this than me? Who's more out of shape than me? Because if they can keep up, right? If I can outlast them, because if they go down, at least they'll bring us all in. So that's all I got to do. I know that's morbid, but I'm just telling you. So anyhow, my idea of vacation is finding a lounge chair and eating. So we, they take us out. Well, they give us these things. They were called life preservers. They were a joke. I mean, my, my big 250-pound frame, it looked like something that was going to choke me. I mean, it was just like there's no way there's any buoyancy to this whatsoever, and there wasn't. I'm thinking, no big deal, fat floats, right? I'm good, right? I'm, I'm going to be all right. So they go out, and we're going, and of course, Tammy's gone. She's like, flipper. They call her flipper. So she's just gone, right? She's all, woo, and I am like trying to just keep ahead of the, these people that are, that, that are 
bigger than me. And so I'm just going. And about and the other thing, you realize I don't realize this, but when you swim, you sweat. It's exercise. But my idea of like going like is like the lazy river. You know what I'm saying? Just get a tube and just float. Hey, how y'all doing? Y'all take another one of those frozen lemonades. Hey. I mean, it's like swimming. I'm sweating and my blood pressure is getting up and I I I'm, I'm, you know, I, there's, and this life preserver isn't working, and I'm thinking, I'm about to go down. I had that moment. I just thought, here it is. I can just see it. I'm going to just go down. I'm going to drown out here in this ocean, and the next thing, I'll be like, I'll be like standing before the Lord in some flippers and my, my, my shorts and that little bitty. God will be like, what, what did that happen? That was supposed to save me, Lord, but it didn't. And you didn't save me, but I'm here. I'm here. Where's the buffet, right? That's what I'll be doing in heaven. And so in that moment, it was like just this feeling of, of torment and, pat, and I feel like I'm going under. And finally, somebody said, let's go back. I'm like, oh, I'm ready for this. So we're swimming back to shore, that whole deal. Of course, Tammy's still 30 minutes later. They have to send somebody out to get her to bring her back in. But that's what it feels like to be all of a sudden you just feel like you're stuck. There's an anxiety behind it. There's a pressure behind it. There's this feeling behind it. This is what's going on. Samson wakes up. And he wakes up, he went to sleep, this lullaby sleep, this sweet sleep. But when he wakes up, it's the time to pay the price of sin. And when he wakes up, it is sheer terror. It's torment. And the person that's tormenting him is the person who he trusted. The adulteress that lied to him. And then he thinks, I'll go handle this. And the Bible says, as I had before. But this time he did not realize that God's spirit and strength had departed from him. And he becomes bound. That's what sin will do to you. It's not what they show you on the commercials. It's not what they show you in the magazines. It's sin always takes you further than you want to go. Keeps you longer than you want to stay. And you pay more than you ever intended to pay. Torment. Bondage. Drowning. And the effect is, is that your strength is gone. The Bible says that, that Samson realized his strength was gone. I think this is the hardest part. Because to be tormented, at least I'm not the one doing the torment. I may be feeling the effects of torment, but I'm not. And to be bound, but I think that I can still do something and I can't. See, there, there's, there's, a, there's a consequence to sin. I want you to hear what I'm saying. Jesus will forgive you. The Bible says if you ask him to forgive you, he will forgive you 100% of the time. The Bible says that if we call the name of the Lord, we'll be forgiven. That, 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 that Jesus is the closest mention of his name. And that, that, we, that he'll forgive us every single time without question. But there's still a consequence for our sins. Do you understand that? Let me show it like this. If you murder somebody, you commit sin. I don't, everybody would agree with that. Old Testament, New Testament, you shouldn't kill somebody, Okay. I know they took your parking place at the mall, but you still shouldn't kill them, right? So we, we all agree with that. You ask Jesus to forgive you for the sin of murder. Will he forgive you? Yes. Is there ever a time he won't? No. Whoever calls on the Lord, the Bible says. For, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm forgiven every time. But here's the reality. There's a consequence to that sin of murder. It's called you're going to go to jail. Now, Jesus will go with you, but you're going to go to jail, Right? You, you, you're going, you may be in the jumpsuit and the little slip-on shoes. You're going to jail because you, 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 you committed a sin 
and also an illegal activity. And so Jesus will forgive you and he'll go with you to jail, but you're still going to jail because there's a consequence for sin. And sometimes we don't like to talk about that because, but, because the reality is, is we want Jesus to be like this good ship lollipop, kind of like this, this genie in the sky that I can go do what I want to do and they're just asking him to forgive me and he forgives me and everything's okay. And he does forgive me every single time. With a sincere heart, if I ask him to forgive me, he forgives me. Even if I'm repetitive in the sin, he will still forgive me. Why? Because his grace is endless. His grace has no beginning and it has no end. And we, and we, we live in this dispensation of the grace of God. But there are consequences. And Samson, the consequence to his sin is his strength. His, his strength was his gifting. His strength was his, was his calling. It was what God put in his life to do. It's why he was on the planet. It's his purpose. And all of a sudden, he gets out to fulfill his purpose once again, and it's gone. See, the desire's there, but the ability is gone. And then there's a frustration that sits in because you remember what you had, but you no longer have that. You remember the freedom that you have, but you no longer have that because it's gone. I don't mean to, uh, to stir up any negative feelings for anybody, but, but sometimes in, in divorce what happens is one spouse makes a stupid decision and it costs them their marriage. And it doesn't just cost them their marriage, it costs them their kids. And so instead of, instead of seeing their kids and tucking them into bed at night and being with them when they get up in the morning and having this family unit the way they desired and the way God desires for it to be, they cross a line and they become enticed by sin. That sin pesters them. They give in to that sin. They, become, they fall into the lie of the enemy. They become stuck into that sin. They're lulled to sleep in that sin. And they wake up. And all of a sudden when they wake up, they're tormented by the decisions that they made. They're bound by the decisions that they're made. So instead of growing, their, raising their children up, they drop them off at their ex's house only to see their kids go into a home that they don't live in be raised by people that they weren't intended to be and have a life that's separate from them except for a few holidays one day a week and six weeks in the summer strength is gone you see what I'm saying there are consequences to sin and this is what's happening with Samson he's dealing with the consequence of his sin and the consequence of sin is you find yourself in bondage and you find yourself tormented you torment yourself because you go I can't believe I'm so stupid I can't believe I would do this I can't believe I'm back here I can't believe this I can't believe this I can't believe this and you're bound because you feel like there's no other way out and then on top of that the strength is gone and at this stage you begin to pay the price for sin sin isn't fun it's not a game it's reality. James, in, in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 14, 15, 16, says it this way. And each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Same word. Same word that's used in Judges 16. And then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to what? Sin. And then sin, when it grows up and it becomes an adult, it gives birth to death. And James says to the church, do not be deceived. Don't play games with this. Don't be naive about this. Understand that your actions have consequences. Laws of physics. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. This is true. And so the reality is the same is true in our own spiritual life. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Can God forgive you? Yes. Can God wipe your sins away? For sure. See, remember them no more? Forgets them. As far as the east is from the west. But there's a consequence. But what if nobody knows? Yeah, but you know. So your thoughts are tormenting you. 
Well, what, what if, what if, what, what, what if you're not found out? Yeah, but you have to, you still have got to walk through that journey. Does that mean that there's hope? Sure, there's hope. We're going to talk about that in a second. I just want you to understand that Jesus Christ will take your sins away. Jesus Christ not only took our sins on Calvary's cross, the Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us. The ultimate shame. But there's a consequence. And what happens many times in our lives is that Jesus forgives us of our sins, but we're left with those consequences. God will hear Samson's prayer when he prays at the end of that chapter. But Samson's still bound. His eyes are gone. And he's he's not living the life he intended to live. And every day that he gets up, it's a reminder of that. So, what's the answer? The answer is Jesus. The answer to this sin dilemma is Jesus. And I know that sounds real simple, and we've talked about it, but it's Jesus. If you find yourself being enticed by sin, what do you do? Turn to Jesus. Say, Jesus, right now, this looks so desirous. Help me. Because if you don't, your desire will turn into sin. Help me with this temptation. Help me with this. Don't be naive about these things, the Bible says. So when, you, when, when your sin turns into, it's something that's pestering you. It's something that's pursuing you. What do you do? You give it to God. And maybe not just once. It may be an ongoing deal. Because guess what? You're human. <laughs> guess what? you got issues. And if you've dealt with any amount of sin in your life, that any kind of issues, it may take a while to walk your way out of that. Does that make sense? God forgives you, but there's still this process. Because you've crossed some lines. You've seen some things. You've said some things. You've been a part of some things. Talk to someone who, who's been addicted to any type of alcohol or drugs. The reality is, is that there's a journey from that to that. Will God forgive you? Yes. Sometimes will he set you free instantaneously? Yes. But in many cases, it's a process. It's a journey. You're having to walk that out. When you find yourself feeling stuck and your sin, and your poor choices. What do you do? You turn to Jesus. We talked about that a few weeks ago. When, when you feel like you're being lulled to sleep, it's in that moment. Wake up. Turn to Jesus. And I, and I know this sounds so simple, but, but, it, but it's something that we understand cognitively, but we don't always practice. And if you find yourself awakened, and that you're tormented, and you're bound, and your strength is gone, Jesus is still your answer. Now, I'm not going to ask you to turn there, but in Mark's gospel, chapter 5, there's this encounter that Jesus has with this, this, this demoniac. He's basically a demon-possessed guy. And don't get hung up on the demon possession part of it. The bottom line is the guy, by his own choices and decisions, has basically invited, invited this vileness into his life. And the Bible says that Jesus goes, with, along with the disciples, and they encounter this man who is bound and tormented. That's what the Bible says. And when he encounters this man, immediately Jesus recognizes what's going on. And immediately Jesus basically sets this man free. He completely sets him free. And this is a guy who was just, was completely bound. He was completely tormented. by, by, By no fault of anybody else but his own. But he was living. He was dead in his sins. His strength was gone. Everything was there. And Jesus sets him free. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't, he doesn't go through. It's just Jesus sets him free. Because that's what the power of what Jesus does. 
And the Bible says that the community around him, it's verses in verse 14 and 15 and 16, the community around him, they, they were so freaked out by this guy that they hear that this man, who, had, who was a crazed, lost his mind, manic nut job that was completely possessed, now is sitting clothed in his right mind. And they have to come and see what Jesus did. Because nothing else could tame him. Nothing else could fix him. Nothing else could change him except for Jesus. And that's exactly what Jesus does. When we are crazed and we're manic, manic and we're in our sin and we're tormented and we're bound and our strength is gone, if we'll call on him, he will show up. If we'll reach out to him, he will be there and he'll set you free and he'll do the job that no one else can do. He'll put you in your right mind clothed and, and right there. So, so let, let, let me just summarize all of this. The why behind this series that we've been doing for four weeks. Because, again, I want to let you know, I'm just one beggar to another beggar where to find food. You know, but by the grace of God, go I. I've got major feet of clay. And I, and I, I deal with the same humanity you deal with. But I think we need to beware of the uh, trap of sin. Beware that there is an adversary that's got you in the crosshairs that wants to take you down the same way he did Samson. And be mindful of these things. And when you see yourself being drawn, your desires being drawn, you become enticed. Pay attention. Put some safeguard against it. Call on the name of the Lord, but put a safeguard against it. When you find yourself where it seems like it's pursuing you, maybe it's a person, maybe it's a situation, run. <laughs> Don't walk, run. Get away. Call on the name of the Lord. You find yourself being stuck where you feel like, man, I'm dealing, I'm battling because you're trying. And all of a sudden is you're, you're battling. And it's, it's almost like your life has been high-centered. You, you, you found yourself in the mud and your wheels are going, but all it's doing is creating these trenches under your wheels where, where the ground on the center of the car is lifting the car up. And now no longer are you getting any traction. Your wheels are just spinning. And you're stuck. Beware if that's where you are to call on the Lord. And when sin begins to sing you to sleep and tell you everything's going to be okay and nobody's ever going to find out and it's just going to be between you and beware. I just want, as a pastor, I just want you to be mindful. Because listen, all of us deal with sin. Everybody in this room, it's universal. But I'm a Christian. It doesn't matter. You don't get like a get out of jail free card. I wish we did. Man, would that not be stinking great if he said, hey, I'm giving my life to Jesus. Okay, I'll never face sin again. That would be awesome. It doesn't work that way. You need to be mindful. And we don't think about these things. Because they don't. this kind of stuff doesn't sell books and tapes. And this kind of stuff doesn't make it to movies. The second thing I would say is avoid at all costs the trap of sin. Avoid it. If you have to change jobs, avoid it. You got to move, avoid it. The Bible says that, you know, if, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If, if your arm offends you, cut it off. It, it's, it's, it's somewhat uh, prescriptive, not so much descriptive. It's not telling you so much in a physical sense, but in a real spiritual sense. If there's issues, deal with them. Avoid sin, seriously. Call it for what it is. Recognize it for what it is. Beware of what it is and avoid those things. 
But if you find yourself in the trap of sin, turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Call on the Lord. There's hope in the name of Jesus. There's strength in the name of Jesus. There's life in the name of Jesus. I mean, that's why you're here today. It's not to see me. I don't have any power. But you want to encounter Jesus. You need something from God. I need something from God. We're all pursuing that because that's what we want to see and do and happen in our lives. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 6, verse 1. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace can increase? Verse 2, by no means. No, don't keep going on sinning just because God will forgive you. We are those who have died to sin. So how can, how can we live in it any longer? So once you've given your life to Jesus, get away from sin as best you can. Skip on down to verse 11. In the same way, we count ourselves dead to sin, but alive to Christ Jesus. Verse 14. For sin no longer will be our master, because we are not under the law, but we are under grace. So we avoid it. We run from it, even the appearance of it. And that means sometimes in our lives, putting buffers in our lives. That means sometimes putting things in our life. You know, in my life, Paul says it this way to the church in Corinth. Um... All things may be lawful, which means they may be okay to do, but they're not always beneficial. There are things in my life that are okay. There's no law against them, but they're not beneficial for me. It's not helpful for me. So there are are areas in my life, there are convictions that I have that I don't do certain things, not because they're a sin, but because I don't want to get to the sin level. I don't want to see how close, I don't want to see how close I can get to the world and still go to heaven. Does that make sense? I want to make sure that I'm creating a buffer zone in my life and an area in my life so that I'm, I'm aware of sin and its trap. I'm aware that I can fall to sin just like anybody else can. I avoid sin at all costs. I teach my children to avoid sin, to watch out for sin. I talk to the staff. Let's be vigilant about this. I preach about this subject so that we know because I think sometimes knowledge is power. But I also understand that there are times where we're going to fail. We're going to fall. We're going to be led away, as James says, by our own desires. And then we're going to sin. And if we continue to sin, it's going to go full-blown death. And then we're going to find ourselves where Samson is, tormented and bound with our strength gone. But I I don't want to end it there. I I want to show you one more passage of Scripture. Because we've been hammering on Samson. I mean, honestly, I I know like Samson's like big and strong and cool and all that kind of stuff. Long hair. You know, Fabio's type stuff. But I really wouldn't want to be Samson. Like, any of the characters in the Bible, like, really, would you want to be the guy that was known for your failure? I mean, that's really. The, the whole book is, <laughs> the whole story is about, here's a guy who had everything and blew it. And he died blind and in jail and in prison. Here's a guy who had every chance in life and blew it. I mean, would you want that to be your story? I mean, that's like E! New Hollywood stories, right? I mean, it's like, I, I just don't want to like, I don't want to be like the poster child for here's how to wreck your life. I mean, that's really what he is. And that's all we've been talking about is how stupid he is and how what dumb he is. And the reality is we're just as stupid and dumb. I'm not point fingers right now, but you know what I'm saying? But in all of that, I want you to understand there's hope. Even if you've blown it, even if you've messed up, 
Even if you've been enticed by sin, you've been pestered by sin, you've been vexed by sin, you've been lulled by sin, and you wake up tormented and bound by sin, and your strength is gone, there's still hope for you. Because the God that we serve is a God of second chances. How are you so sure about that? Look at verse 22 of Judges chapter 16. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. The hair, that symbolizes covenant with God. That hair, that was, that was the source of his strength. The hair was a symbol, symbol of his covenant with God. And the Bible says that after he blew it, after he was enticed with sin, after he was flagrant with his life, after he was vexed with sin, after he was pestered with sin, after he was lulled away with sin, after he was tormented with sin, after he was bound with sin, after his strength is gone, his eyes have been, has been gouged out, he's in shackles, he's walking this, this, basically this mill, this grinding stone of this mill, and he's walking in circles. And at the end of all of that, the Bible says, but the hair on his head began to grow. Why? Because failure is not final. It doesn't matter how bad you blew it. It doesn't matter how bad you crashed and burned. It doesn't matter how, how great the fall was. It doesn't matter how much promise that, that there was in your life and that you blew it and you blew it and you blew it. Listen to me. Your hair will grow again. There's hope. It's not over. Look, the story isn't over. And you go, but yeah, you don't understand there. No, I want you to understand something. Never, nothing ever occurs to God. The Bible says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Jeremiah tells us that even in our mother's womb that God has this plan for us. And God's given you a purpose for your life. And the reality is, is that the struggles and the failures that you have, that doesn't catch God off guard. Does God want you to do that? No, but he understands what's going to happen. He understood what was going to happen to Samson. He's God. He's been around before time began and he will be here when time ends. And so he doesn't, he's not pacing the heavily. He's going, man, Samson, you blew it. And how could you do this? I didn't see this one coming. What am I going to do to rescue my people? No, 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 no. God knew when he gave Samson the strength in his hair that he would be enticed and pestered and vexed and lulled and eventually would be tormented and bound. So why? Because the story's not over. Failure is not final. <laughs> but Aaron, dude, you got to re- realize, I mean, I blew it. Do you know how many times I've been here before? Do you know how many lives I've wrecked? Do you know how many people, have you seen the carnage? Have you seen, I'm just telling you, the story's not over. You may feel like dying. Hang on. You're going to grow again. Dude, you don't know how much time I've failed. I'm telling you, hang on. God is in the business of restoring you. God's in the business of second chances. Because the Bible says at the end of that chapter that Samson, bound, eyes gone, humiliated, is in the Colosseum where all of the Philistines, the leaders of the nation are there. And he asked someone to lead him to where the pillars are, the foundation, the, the, the structural beams of this place. And he places his hands on this one and on this one. And he prays his prayer, oh God, the purpose for me on this planet 
was to destroy the Philistines. And I screwed up. But I pray. It's the hair on my head that symbolizes the covenant that I have with you has began to grow. That you, oh God, would give me strength one more time to do what you put me on this planet to do. And in doing so, it'll take my life, but I'll fulfill the plan and the purpose that you have for me. And the Bible says in that moment that the Spirit of God, that the power of God, that the strength of God that had left him in verse 21 comes back to him. And in that moment, he begins to push with power that's beyond natural strength. And God puts a super onto Samson's natural. And, the wall, and those, those columns fell. And the entire roof system of that structure fell. And it destroyed the Philistines. I don't know what your purpose is. I don't know what God's plan is. And you might have messed it up time and time again. I'm just here to tell you, it's not over. It's not over. It's not over. When God's done with you, he'll bring you home. Listen to me. Death, when, when, when the Bible says there's a point that a man wants to die and then the judgment. That God is the, the, the giver and the taker of life. And as long as we're on this planet, there is a purpose and a reason why we're here. And when God's done with that purpose, he will remove us from this planet. I believe that. And so if you're here, there's a purpose. And it doesn't matter how many times you've messed up, how many times that you've done this. It doesn't matter if you've been vexed and lulled by sin and enticed by sin. I'm telling you that you will grow again. It will come again. And God will show up again in your life. And he will do it because he knew from the very beginning of your, fail, of your failures. He knew of your frailty. He knows of our humanity. But yet he still entrusts us with these things. So take heart. Take heart. He who's began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. You're not catching God off guard. You might be catching other people off guard, but you're not catching God off guard. Father, I just thank you today for your word. And I thank you for the life that we see. And I just pray, oh God, in these few moments, Lord, that you would just speak to our hearts. That you'd help us to understand, Lord, that you have a plan and a purpose for us. And that even when we make mistakes, that you're, you're still on the throne. You're still in control. And there may be hardships and consequences from that. But God, you give us that second chance. There's always hope in you, Jesus. And I just pray for every person that's here that they'll find that hope. Lord, for the person that's struggling, that they will quit struggling, that they'll give it to you and they'll call on you. Lord, for the person that feels tormented and bound by the sin and they've they've been awakened in their life and they're now seeing that. I just pray, God, that you, Lord God, God of a second chance, that you would show up as they give that to you, Lord. And I pray for all of us to be vigilant, to be vigilant about the wiles of the enemy, to be vigilant about the, 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 the enemy of our soul that tries to destroy us and take us down. I just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.